listening to the Northside Christian Church Sermon Podcast. These teachings are recorded at our weekly Sunday morning gatherings in Springfield, Missouri. For more about our church, service times, and how to connect, visit northsidechristianchurch.net. Well, a week ago, I was talking to Amber Young. Uh, She attends Northside here. In fact, was on our worship team this morning right over here. And she was just telling me this story that just resonated with me about her niece. Her niece's name is Megan. She's 21 years old and and was coming to Northside. And she went to camp for the first time this summer at Maranatha Bible Camp. She had not been before. She was going to serve with our students there. Uh, She had told Amber that this was new and it was somewhat uh, intimidating. And I think a couple times she wasn't sure if she she was going to go or not, wanted to go. But eventually she determined she would and that she would go to camp and serve in that way, feeling somewhat unqualified to do it. But she went to the training that Kevin Punch, our youth minister, has for all of our leaders who are going to camp. Uh, At that training, learned a few disciple-making tools that were part of that. She got to camp and she connected with some girls there, which was a great connection for her. She began to even pray out loud with some of those students, something that was new to her. She hadn't really done that before. She began to do the the three-thirds Bible study that they were doing that week at camp in their daily devotions, working through that, where they would look back, look up, look forward, and, and began to go through that process with them at camp. She came back from camp after having just this incredible, life-changing experience there. And when she came back, our college life minister, Alan Tiger, got her a She Reads Truth Bible that she got into her hands. She could begin really engaging and studying it for herself. Uh, as she did that, she went to disciple-making training and, of course, was learning about the 411 and three-thirds and 15 circles. This those. I said that wrong, 15-second testimony in the three circles, some of the tools that we talk about. Well, she was excited. I mean, God was doing a new work in her. So she reached out and called a friend that she had been good friends with through high school in Tennessee. Uh, Her name was Chandler and just began to share with Chandler some of what was happening in her. Chandler said she didn't feel attacked or threatened. Instead, she found herself interested and intrigued to learn more. So Chandler got a She Reads Truth Bible. And then they, they've started Facebooking live, Facebooking or, or no, FaceTiming with each other. And as they FaceTime with each other, they're going through the three-thirds together and going through the Bible together, hearing from God, learning what He wants to do in their life, and they're growing. And I just wanted to share that story with you say, can we just thank God for how he's working in people's lives and just praise him for that. I just love that story. And I love this story because I think Megan feels what honestly a lot of us feel, that when it comes to growing in our faith or making disciples or helping or sharing, even sharing our faith with someone else or praying out loud with people, oftentimes we feel unqualified. We feel like maybe I'm not qualified to do that. We feel in some ways like maybe we're not equipped to do that. I think that's something we all could identify with. And maybe, just maybe the reason we struggle to feel qualified is because frankly, we are in a culture that places such a burden on to qualify us. Like everything we do, we got to be qualified to do that. You, you feel it all the time. I mean, for some of you, it's just, you, you got to qualify for that job. You got to qualify for that scholarship. Every competition that you're a part of, whether it's athletics, sports, racing, band, even math, like you got to qualify. You go through regional qualifiers or national qualifiers or state qualifiers, whatever. We, we, we have to qualify in order to be a part of this. And so there's just occasions when you just feel like, man, you're out of your element. 
I don't feel qualified for this. I was talking to Nick and Sarah this morning. They were, they were in a suite at the Chiefs game on Thursday night. Just like they could just look down and see like Brittany Holmes, you know, the whole Patrick Holmes family suite right there. They could just see him and they're like, they felt a little unqualified, you know, looking at these people all decked out in their suits and everything. They're like in their jeans and t-shirts, whatever. But, you know, there's moments like that when you just feel like, man, I don't, I don't know that I'm, I should be here or I'm qualified to be here. There's incredible pressure and stress rooted in our ability to qualify through our performance, our education, our experience, our abilities. And then there's our own sins and shortcomings. There's those moments of of weakness in our lives when we sin against God and we fall to temptation. We know what we're guilty of and we experience the guilt or we experience the shame. We've fallen short of God's glory. We're sinners and we know it. So when someone says, are you qualified to stand before God? A holy, mighty, just God, are you qualified for that? Are you qualified to set an example for others where you can lead or serve or teach or help or disciple? Are you, are you qualified for that? Or are you qualified to receive your reward in heaven? Are you qualified for that? In and of ourselves, every one of us would be like, no, I am not qualified. We don't feel qualified. We don't believe we're qualified in and of ourselves. The answer is no. But here's the good news I got for you today. God has qualified you. I mean, that's the good news today. God has qualified you. That's what the text we're going to look at says to us today, that in those moments, instead of turning away from us, God in those moments has actually done something for us to qualify us, where we don't have to walk around in uncertainty going, man, I don't think I'm qualified to do this. God is saying, no, I've qualified you not only for heaven, but I've qualified you to serve. I want us to look at it together. It's in Colossians chapter 1. This is great news for us today. And we're going to be picking up in verse 12. So we've been in Colossians 1 as we go through this series. We've been reading this prayer that Paul has prayed. And he's telling the, Coloss- the people of Colossae what he's praying for them about. And he's, his prayer is continuing here as we start in verse 12. And he says in his prayer, I'm giving, he says, and giving joyful thanks. He's giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. He's brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. There's some reasons here why Paul's saying he has joyful thanks. This kind of joy he's describing is not something you come up with in and of yourself. It's something that's given to you by the Holy Spirit That's the kind of joy that he has. In fact, in in Romans 14, 17, it says that that our joy, we have joy in the Holy Spirit. That's where it comes from. And that our gratitude is joyful. Like he's got joyful thanksgiving, joyful gratitude. Why? For this reason, he starts off with this. Number one, because God has qualified you for heaven. God has qualified you for heaven. I know when someone says, are you qualified to stand before God? Your immediate response will be like, no, I'm not qualified. And God says, no, you are because I've qualified you. I've done this for you. He's made us fit for heaven to share in the inheritance of, with all of God's holy people in the kingdom of light. Like he did this for us. It's a reality for you. And the appropriate response is not uncertainty, The appropriate response is joyful gratitude to God for doing this because he has done this. He has provided this. 
He's qualified you for heaven, and he's qualified you for service. And that's our response, joyful gratitude. In fact, in Colossians 1.10, he says, you should live a life worthy of the Lord. That means you ought to live your life worthy of the position that God has put you in. He's done this for you. So you should act like that. You should walk like that. You should live like that according to the position that God has placed you in. This is why today... I'm always excited when we have a Sunday. We do this about once a month where we do some disciple-making trainings because at these trainings, our goal is to equip you and to encourage you. And our goal in these moments is to help you be a disciple who makes disciples. And it's not to qualify you to do it. God's already qualified you. It's to help equip you and empower you to do it. And so today, I do want to mention this. Today, we have this happening, and I believe this is going to be really powerful today. We've got four trainings that we're offering today, trainings one through four. And we're doing it from 2.30 to 5.30 today. And we want to invite you to come to this, to whatever training you're ready for next. If you haven't done one, start with one. And we're going to do one through four today, 2.30 to 5.30. You don't have to RSVP. You just get to show up. Just come. Come to entrance one in our student lobby, and we'll be downstairs uh, today for all of those trainings. So just come down there. There's stairs. There's an elevator to get you down there easily. The only thing you would need to RSVP for is if you have children that you want in child care. Uh, we, last I had looked, we had 10 spots available for child care. So you have to RSVP for that. And if you want to do that, there's the link, northsidechristianchurch.net slash childcare. You can do that right now in your seat if you're coming and, and uh, let our team know and, and, uh, and see if there's spots left. But we'd love for you to come and be a part of that today. And, and we're doing this because God has qualified us for his service, to be a part of what God is doing. And we read right here in Colossians 1, we have joyful things. Why? First of all, because he's qualified us for heaven. He's given us an inheritance that is ours. I, I love the way the first Peter chapter 1, 3 through 5 describes this. Peter describes it this way. He too gives praise to God. He says, praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance. Just like Paul in Colossians talks about that inheritance. Peter says, we have this inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. Four things right there. It, it doesn't perish, spoil, or fade, and it's kept in heaven for you. Who through faith, are shielded by God's power. I love this. Four things about this inheritance. Four qualities about this inheritance. The first one is this. Our inheritance in Christ is imperishable. It's imperishable. Everything we have in this life, on this earth, perishes. Everything perishes. In this world, we see decay. We see rust. We see things fall apart. We see death. Things are dying. That's what we know. But Christ is giving us an inheritance that will not perish ever. It will not die. It will not degrade in any way. In fact, Paul says it this way. Our inheritance in Christ is unspoiled. It's unspoiled. That means it's free from anything that would degrade it or deform it or depreciate it. Like this inheritance we have, it cannot be diminished in any way. It is unspoiled. It is imperishable. And then he says it is unfading. Like we can't imagine that. Everything we have fades. It just fades. We can't imagine colors actually staying vibrant forever and not fading. Our health fading. We can't imagine it, what it would be like. 
We can't imagine excitement not fading at some point or intensity not fading. And yet we have this inheritance that is this glorious intensity that will never fade. It's imperishable, it's unspoiled, it's unfading. Jesus says, I'm making everything new in Revelation 21. So he's making it new and it stays new. And typically what we experience as we go through life is as time passes and and things aren't going better and that continues over time and over time, typically our hope begins to fade when it's in anything in this world. Over time it fades, it's gone. But Paul and Peter say we have an inheritance that you've been qualified to receive by God and this inheritance, it will never fade. It will never perish. It only gets more glorious with time. And the other thing that he says here, our inheritance in Christ, it's reserved for us in heaven. Like it's kept in heaven for you. Like you're not going to ever show up and and all of a sudden find out that that you don't have the reservation that you thought you had. Like it's not going to catch you by surprise. It won't be like that. How many of you ever had an experience where suddenly you, you thought you had a reservation and you didn't? And it wasn't there. It wasn't kept for you. It happened to Kim and I. It just happened several weeks ago. It was in August. We were going to Lewisburg, Virginia. We were flying there for a CTO retreat we were helping with. So we flew into Lewisburg, which uh, was the smallest airport. We've flown a lot to a lot of places. That was the smallest airport we have ever been in in our life. And uh, if I were to describe what the airport's like at Lewisburg, Virginia, here's the word I would use. Cute. It's cute. It really is. It's just a cute little airport. And we got off the plane, we got down, we walked on the tarmac, we came up, you know, to the building and we walked in and a few steps and you're in this short little hallway and there's a little baggage thing coming, you know, out of the wall and right back in with a baggage claim. And we walked up to this little counter and it had said Enterprise Alamo right there. We were going to get our rental car. We had an hour and a half drive. We had to go up the mountain, up to Snowshoe Mountain for this retreat. And so we show up there. There's no one there. In fact, there's like nobody there. Um, pretty scarce. I mean, even when we got off the plane, there was pretty much nobody there because there were only five of us on the plane. That was a cool experience, actually. Five of us on the plane. So we're standing there for a minute. We're kind of looking around. And this lady walks up behind us and says, uh, do you guys need help with anything? We're like, well, we, were, we had rented a car. So we were uh, just waiting to do that. She's like, oh, well, they're closed on Sundays. You know, he said, they're closed on Sundays? And she's like, yeah. And she's like, well, she's like, I'm, she'd been on the plane with us. She's like, I've, I know that because I'm, I manage the airport here. I'm like, oh, okay, great. Um, they're closed on Sundays? He's like, well, if, do you, if you had a reservation, they probably left a key here. And so we're looking on the counter for a key. There's no key. And we're like, there's no key. And so Kim's getting her email, like, did they tell us something different? And so she's pulling it up, trying to figure out where this rental is, and she can't find it. So we keep going through all the reservations. We had traveled a lot lately this summer, and we booked numerous rental cars. And uh, the more she's digging around, we're like realizing... Somehow, in the mix of all that, we obviously made a mistake. We're assuming we made a mistake, and we don't have a rental. And so we're standing in this airport, a cute little airport. Nobody there. They're closed on Sundays, and there's no rental car. And so we're talking to her about possible, you know, uh, what we could do, and we're not coming up with anything. And she seems to know the area pretty good. And so we realize we're stranded. Like, we don't have a vehicle. We can't get an hour and a half away. Like, we're going to have to stay here. we got to get from this airport to a hotel somehow. She's like, yeah, we really don't have Ubers or taxis or anything. I'm like, really? And so um, we're having this conversation. So Kim and I were like, well, first, let's, I mean, 
hotels have shuttles, right? They have shuttle services. Just call a hotel. We start calling hotel after hotel after hotel in Lewisburg, and none of them have rooms because the Live Golf Tour apparently had a tournament going on in Greenbrier just down the road, and they were all booked. We couldn't find a hotel, and therefore we didn't even have a shuttle. So finally, we find one room in the Super 8. I don't know what all Super 8s are like, but I can tell you that was a sketchy room at that Super 8. I'm just going to tell you that right now. But we found one room. So my next objective was, how do we get there? And I'm, I'm getting to the point of just like going up to some stranger and being like, you know, can you take us? She did give Kim a name of a number of a guy who used to do some shuttling at one time. But I spot this guy. There's a Mercedes shuttle, like really nice, sitting outside the airport there. And I could see he got out of it and came in the airport. So I went to him and said, hey, what's the chances you could give us a shuttle to the Super 8? It's only a couple miles down the road. And he's like, well, he's like, the people I'm supposed to pick up are no-shows. And so we're like, thank you, Lord. So we're here. So he says, sure, he'll take us. So we get in this Mercedes shuttle. He takes us down to the Super 8. And we just have this experience of just, we were learning what it feels like in a moment when you got to book a hotel, we got to pay the shuttle, we're, and now we're in a hotel. We're like, we got to find a ride back to the, to the, you know, the rental place, you know, in the morning so we can get our car and go to where we're supposed to go. And so uh, Kim texts this number the lady at the airport gave us, and the guy said, yeah, sure, I'll, I, I, you know, 20 bucks and I'll do it. So we're like, okay, yeah, that's good. We'll give you 20 bucks. And so uh, the next morning comes, and, and uh, sure enough, a van pulls up out front, and we're in the Super 8 lobby, and we go out there, and it's a federal corrections van from the Federal Bureau of Prisons that is apparently right there in Lewisburg, Virginia. And I mean, everything about this is so weird, sketchy. So we get in a Federal Bureau of Prisons van who drops us off at Enterprise. I feel like I needed references to let him know. I, we didn't just like, anyway. So that was, that was a moment when I just, I, I, we learned what it felt like to feel like you, you, know, you don't have the reservation you think you have. It's not kept there in the way that you thought you had it. I mean, we just were left hanging, um, left, you know, with complete, out, hung out to dry. And, and Paul is telling us here in this text that we have a, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for us. Your reservation is good. It is sound. It is secure. You're not going to get hung out to dry with the Lord, that the crown of glory already has your name on it. And as 2 Corinthians 1.22 says, how do we know this? The Holy Spirit was given to us as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. We have the Holy Spirit guaranteeing for us. We have an inheritance. God has given it to you. You are qualified to receive this. It's assured. It's not something that he's going to let go of. And the question might be, when was the last time we expressed joyful gratitude to God that we are qualified for the inheritance of heaven? And maybe right now would be a good time for us to do it. Let's just do it. Let's just praise God right now that he's qualified us for heaven. So thank you, Lord Jesus, for that. You've given it to us. It is secure. It is firm. We have this. And the Holy Spirit guaranteeing it. And then Colossians, let's go back and look at the verses again, 13 to 14. He says this, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, and he's brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is another reason why we have joyful thanks, because God has rescued you from darkness. This isn't just abstract. It's not just theoretical. Like, you were in guilt. You were in shame. You were under Satan's power and dominance. 
You were held back by him, chained by him. You were susceptible to his accusations. You were depraved. You were blinded to the truth. But the Bible says that God rescued you from that. He brought you out of that. He removed your guilt with his saving grace. And he transformed you with his transforming grace. And he rescued you not only from God's judgment, because he's the one we sinned against. He's a holy God. But he's rescued you from the evil one, from Satan, who has bound you and held you through death and sin and disease and chaos. He has a hold on us. And Jesus has rescued us from that. And how he did it is... Your rescue came in the form of relocation. He's relocated you. He's brought you out of darkness into light. You got a new citizenship, a new country with no equal, a citizenship that's in heaven, an inheritance that's in heaven. Here's how he said it in the text. That means God has transferred you from one kingdom to another, from darkness into the light. You were transplanted. You were transported. You were transferred. You were relocated from a kingdom of darkness where Satan had a grip on you into the kingdom of light, which is your inheritance, full of love, life, and illumination. He brought you out of this into this. You know, the historian Josephus talks about how uh, sometime after Paul wrote this, that um, Antiochus III actually deported, transplanted 2,000 Jews from Babylon into to Colossae, uh, to the people that Paul is writing to in the book of Colossians. He, he brought them out of that. Some of them saw some of the things he was doing as favorable to them, but he actually uprooted them from there and he placed them over here. It, it's just a picture of, of what Christ has done for us, where he, he picked us up out of a kingdom of darkness and he He brought us into a kingdom of light to a far greater degree, into the kingdom of the Son that He loves. We are now in Christ. We're in His kingdom. We're no longer experiencing the blinding of our minds. We're in His light, experiencing the knowledge of Jesus. And that story of God doing that, it's just, it's over and over. And it's been going on since the beginning of time. And We see it even in Israelites' history, as we look at their history, when God brought them out of Egypt, a place of slavery and bondage and brokenness and idolatry and worship and sin that that they were experiencing there in that land of Egypt where they were oppressed. And God uprooted his people through the exodus and he brought them into a new inheritance, into the land of promise, into the land of Canaan. He brought them out of something, and he brought them into something. It's not just about getting out of it. It's about what, what are you going into? What is your future? What does he have for you? God brings us out that he might bring us in. Out of darkness into light. It's a relocation. I worship Leader Corey Scott was telling me the story of, of his son Ethan when he was just a little guy. They were at a pool. And Ethan uh, kind of slipped and fell. I think the pool was starting to get deeper. And, and all of a sudden, Ethan found himself you know, underwater. And Corey said, I could see in that moment, as soon as it happened, just the panic on Ethan's face. Sheer terror because his face was just below the surface of the water. And so Corey could see the expression on his face. And Corey swooped in and just picked him up out of that water. But he didn't just take him out of it. He relocated him 
to a new place, a safe place, something else for him to go to. He brought him out so he could put him in a new relocated place. We have a new address. We have a new citizenship. The word brought out of can be removed. We were removed out of darkness and we were brought into the light. We don't belong to the world any longer. We belong to his kingdom. And for that, we should have joyful thankfulness. That we've been transferred, transported, relocated out of darkness into light. That we've been rescued. That we've been qualified for heaven. It's just joyful thanksgiving for this. And the reason all this is happening is because Paul in Colossians tells us this, because God has redeemed and forgiven you in Christ Jesus. You've been redeemed and you've been forgiven through Christ. Redeemed means to release a prisoner by payment of a ransom. So a ransom was paid so that you could be free. This does not mean that Jesus paid Satan in order to redeem you out of hell or out of darkness. It means that Jesus was the payment for sin before a holy God. Because God is the one that we sinned against. Satan just brings his accusations against us before God. Calling on him to condemn us because of our guilt and because of our sin. That's what Satan does. Jesus paid the price with his blood shed on the cross. He became the payment of our ransom because of God's holy law. Satan seeks to accuse you and destroy you. But through faith in Jesus Christ, we're set free. The Israelites in their history, they were brought out of Egypt and they were brought into the promised land. Their freedom was paid by the blood of the lamb that was put on the doorpost so that the the death angel would pass over them. Pass over. He would pass over them because they were covered by the blood of the lamb. And, And those who did not put faith in what God said didn't put their faith in the blood of the lamb and what God would do. Obeying him in that moment, he brought destruction and he brought death as judgment so that his people could be free. They could be transplanted into a new land. Canaan is a picture of our inheritance. The promised land is a picture of our inheritance in Christ. We claim ours by faith in Jesus Christ. Every day we walk and live in that blessing, in that inheritance of Jesus. So that story of the Exodus is not just something of the past that we remember. It is actually a promise even for our future that God liberates his people. He brings them out of bondage into life. He's doing that and he continues to do that. He's doing it with you. He wants to do it with others. He wants to bring us into the light. That's what he's done. And he's done it because he's redeemed us. He's brought us out. In fact, in Jude chapter five, it tells us that Jesus led the people out of Egypt. In Judges chapter two, verse one, it says the angel Yahweh saved Israel out of Egypt. In other words, Jesus was in the Exodus leading his people out to freedom. It's one and the same. He is the angel of the Lord that we read about in the Old Testament. He is the one that was bringing them to freedom and he still does the same for us today. He brings us in to freedom. He redeems us. But he doesn't just redeem us. He doesn't just buy and with payment us out of that. He forgives us. Which means he cancels the debt that we owe. We just owe this massive debt to God because of our sin and our brokenness. And Jesus has canceled that debt. He's paid the price for that debt. Because he paid it in full with his blood, 
Satan cannot find anything in the files that he can use to indict us. We are free. And when people are redeemed and forgiven and rescued and transplanted out of one kingdom into another and they are qualified to receive the inheritance, you're just filled with this joyful, thanksgiving, joyful gratitude for what God has done for you. And that kind of joyful gratitude begins to affect the other relationships in your life. And so when you reflect that you've been forgiven, you begin to share that with others. In other words, the, forgiven, the forgiveness that you have received from God, he longs for you to re-gift it to others. Share it with others. I was reading this text several, well, actually it's probably been a month ago or more now. I was reading this text about forgiveness and it, it led me to thinking about how as he's forgiven us, we're to forgive others. In fact, Jesus even taught us to pray. In Matthew 6, 12, and then verses 14 through 15, where he says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, as we've forgiven our debtors. And in verse 14, he says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. It's like Jesus is saying to this in this moment that there's two commands in Scripture as it relates to forgiveness. And the first one is this, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. And the other one is forgive so that the Lord will continue to forgive you. So we forgive just as we've been forgiven. In fact, the more you, you recognize honestly how much he's forgiven you of, the more likely you'll forgive someone else. But also he tells us to forgive so that we will be forgiven in the future. If we refuse to forgive a, a brother or a sister, then why would God forgive us if we refuse to do that with others? These are the two commands we see in Scripture. I was reading through this, and, and at that time, I was just, there was a couple of people that were like popping in my mind that I was realizing I was allowing some bitter root to grow, or I felt hurt, wounded, misrepresented, whatever. And, but I hadn't really dealt with that with the Lord. I hadn't really released that to God because it, he just brought it to my mind. Cause every time their names mentioned or I see them or I hear about them, there's kind of this, that thing that kind of, that's the bitter root. And you just, you feel, and I just knew I need to release this to the Lord. Like I need to give this to God. It doesn't mean I have to trust them, but I can cancel the debt that I feel they owe. I can release that to the Lord. And I need to release it to the Lord. It, it was a couple of years ago. I met with a guy. He was just telling me how his ex-wife had caused so much ongoing hurt, pain, anger, frustration that led to his bitterness. It was just destroying him. It was consuming his thoughts. And, and in fact, he was even looking for ways that he could get revenge or payback. It was zapping him of energy and strength. And he, just physically, it was making him sick, just draining him, not just of energy, but it was wrecking him emotionally. And as we talked, he, that day he was beginning a journey of releasing that pain to God and releasing the debt that he felt she owed him and dropping it and giving it to Jesus. I don't know how that's going. I don't know how it turned out. I don't know where he is with that, but I, we prayed that God will allow him to show that level of forgiveness, especially in mind of how much we've been forgiven of through our Heavenly Father. A redeemed life is a life where forgiveness is regifted. In a redeemed life, we've been bought back and by Jesus, we that's the kind of life where we 
we re-gift the forgiveness that we've received from the Lord and we share it with others. And I'd like for you just to take a moment right now, in fact, just even just to close your eyes for a moment, just to where you're seated, asking the Holy Spirit to reveal to you perhaps someone in your life where you've not released or canceled the debt. You haven't just given it to Jesus. You've allowed a bitter root to grow. This is someone in your life, you were wounded by them, you were hurt by them, you were offended by them, misrepresented by them, you were perhaps abused by them or embarrassed by them or overlooked by them or devalued by them or ignored by them. And you know that they owe you. There's a debt that they owe and you've been holding on to it for a long, long time. You've got that payment due notice firmly in your grasp and you've been holding on to it. In fact, it's likely that a bitter root has been growing and growing deep that affects you emotionally and spiritually and mentally. It's weighing you down. It's taking capacity in your life that's keeping you from giving to other people. You're carrying a burden. It's hindering what God wants to do in you and who God's called you to be, and you're just holding on to it. Today, I want to encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit to give you the courage, the willingness, the ability, the strength to just let go and drop it. You might even want to practice that, just making a fist that you're holding on to this thing and you're just going to practice just releasing it, letting it go and dropping it giving it to the Lord and saying, God, I've harbored resentment and anger in my heart against, and you can fill in the blank who it is. And that hurt has wounded me. My holding onto that hurt has wounded me even deeper. But because of the cross and because of your grace, because of the freedom that I can have in you, I choose to let go of this resentment and give it to you. Thank you, God, for forgiving me. So God, today I choose to forgive others, to release others. I want a redeemed life where forgiveness is re-gifted. And so make that your prayer that you're just going to release it to the Lord. Trust him with it. Let him be your vindicator. Let him do what he wants to do. And why would we do this? Why would we dare take this step? Because we've been forgiven and redeemed. We've been transferred out of a kingdom of darkness into light. Why would we do this? Because we've been rescued by the Lord and because we have been qualified to share an inheritance. And we know full well we aren't qualified except that God has made us qualified. And it's in a spirit of joyful gratitude that the Holy Spirit's power working in us can help us release and let go and give up. That's my prayer for you today. God is releasing people from bondage. He continues to do it. That's part of our prayer is that what God is doing in us is the very thing that God wants to do through us. Just as he's brought us out of Egypt into a a promised land, so we want to be a part of helping people come out of brokenness and darkness into the light of Jesus. It's why we support work and ministries that are doing this. In fact, there's a work that's doing this right now that you need to know about. A lot of you already do, but it's Black Box International. I mean, we're thrilled today to have Nick and Sarah Vaca with us right over here because for this reason, 
and Nick's going to be stepping up here on, on stage, but they seek to bring healing to boys who are rescued out of sex trafficking through a holistic aftercare. And Nick and Sarah, they serve full-time with that ministry of Black Box International. They're moving the mission forward through things like advocacy and training and trauma, competent caregiving, raising funds. They're frequently making visits uh, internationally, uh, specifically the Dominican Republic, where they're going a lot for the work that's there. We're honored to have them here today because we partner with them. We support them. We believe in what they're doing. Uh, We want to see these young men healed. And I just, will you right now with me, just welcome Nick and Sarah for being with us and joining us and the work that they're doing right now. So thank you for that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, Northside. Thank you for having us here this morning. Um, As Wayne mentioned, over the last decade, uh, Black Box, we've been providing what we call holistic aftercare to boys and young men who have survived sex trafficking in the Dominican Republic. Um, Holistic simply just means we care about the whole boy. Uh, When a boy is in our care, we want to provide um, resources and tools for him to recover mentally, emotionally, socially, physically, and spiritually. Um, And as you mentioned, you know, we, we get to travel down to the Dominican Republic pretty frequently. Um, and I, I, one of my absolute favorite uh, parts of getting to do this is getting to go to church with the boys. We frequently have the opportunity to go um, and to actually worship alongside of them. Many of the boys in our care have chosen to give their lives to Jesus. And let me just tell you, one of the most powerful things that I have ever experienced in my life is standing next to a group of boys who have been quite literally transplanted, as, as you know, we've been discussing today, from situations of just bondage and abuse and manipulation that really I don't even want you to have to imagine to now a place where they are finding healing and hope and restoration and just standing next to these boys. There's this one particular memory I have from a trip that we took last October. Um, and a couple of these boys were singing the song and they kept uh, repeating the words, libre soy, libre soy, which means I'm free. I'm free. They would say these words in the name of Jesus, my chains are broken and I am free. And there are few things I have ever experienced more powerful than standing next to them, hearing them just shout at the top of their lungs with no regard to to key or pitch or how they sound, just absolutely singing their hearts out about the freedom that they have experienced in so many ways, in so many ways. And so we are so grateful. I want to thank you on behalf of the team at Black Box, our team on the ground, our boys. Thank you for your partnership in the gospel. We could not do the ministry that we do if it wasn't for churches like you that provide the funds and the resources and the prayers to sustain our team. This is a difficult work. It is a deeply spiritual work. And so thank you for your partnership through uh, finances and through prayer. Uh, We are greatly, greatly uh, thankful for you. Mm -hmm. Praise God for that. Thank you, Nick. I appreciate that. I want us to uh, just pray right now, and uh, we want to pray for this. Uh, Nick and Sarah, they're going to be out at the the Go Lobby. So as you go out these doors to your left, and they're there at our wall, ministry wall there. They would love to talk with you. Hear more about the work. See what they're doing. Find ways that that we can partner and serve in greater ways. So uh, go and and hear about that work. But also, we we just want to pray for the work that's happening there, for what God is doing. It's miraculous, and it's needed, and it's heartbreaking. Um, and we're just so grateful that Nick and Sarah are on the front lines of this work and bringing out of the darkness into light. And so let's just pray for them right now. Maybe even now you can extend a hand towards them and just say, God, we pray for them. And so, Lord, we do. We pray for Nick and Sarah that your Holy Spirit, Jesus, fill them. Fill them with the knowledge of your will and grace and 
fill them with every good gift and fill them with all the energy so they can work with the strength that you provide. And Lord, we pray, pray that you would continue to lead and direct them in their steps, knowing that they are a part of this work, that, the, that Lord, your will will be done on earth as it, as it is in heaven. We long for that. Your kingdom here and now, liberating, healing, forgiving, redeeming. And so, Lord, we're just praying for that good work. We're praying that you continue to strengthen the team and those providing care and provide the resources for this in their homes and other things that they use to care. Lord, I know the, the needs are great. And, um, and that is just a testimony to the, the evil of darkness and that so many are wounded and broken and hurt. And so, Lord, we're, we want to come in with the gospel to bring light. And so I just pray for that. I pray your strength to Nick and Sarah and the work they're doing. Thank you for them. We're grateful for the partnership. But we pray for greater things to come. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. You know, today, um, I want to take a few minutes to um, let us just reflect on some things that maybe we're going to leave and go do today in light of this text from Colossians chapter 1. So we're just going to kind of dim the lights right now to give you some time to reflect. In fact, I'd like for you even just to kind of close your eyes and bow your head as we kind of enter into a, a state of prayer. And we're just going to spend some time with the Lord asking him to reveal some things to us. And one of the things I'd like for you to reflect on right now in light of this text is just how can you live a life worthy of the Lord who's qualified you to share in the inheritance of heaven? What would that look like for you? What would that mean for you? What would you do with that knowledge? You've been qualified to share in his inheritance. What would that look like to live a life worthy of that calling that Colossians talks about? Let's spend some time just reflecting on that. Let the Holy Spirit reveal it to you, what you could do with that. Oh, Lord, we pray that you would help us to live in the light, walk in the light, walk with the Spirit. Lord, you've already transported us into that kingdom of light. May we live lives worthy of that calling. May we live in who we really are, not in shame, not in guilt, but as people qualified for your inheritance, we pray this in Jesus' name. Church, I want you to reflect on this thought. How can you express joyful, gratitude to God that he's qualified you, rescued you, transferred you from darkness to light, that he's redeemed you, that he's forgiven you. How could you express to God joyful gratitude? What would that look like? Reflect on that now.
Holy Spirit, restore to us the joy of our salvation. Lord, I pray that we would live with a joyful gratitude every day, every moment, as we continue in a spirit of prayer for what you have done for us. Lord, this was by your grace, by your blessing and favor, that you would bring this inheritance into our lives. And we thank you for this. We praise you for this. Let me ask one more question I'd like for you to reflect on right now in the spirit of the Lord. How can you, as a redeemed person, re-gift forgiveness to someone else? What would that look like for you? What would that mean for you? To whom would you be re-gifting that forgiveness? What are you holding on to with a clenched fist? It's a debt that's been owed but today you're going to release it. Open your hand and release it to the Lord. How can you re-gift that to someone else? What would that look like? Spend some time with the Lord on that. Lord, we pray that we'd be people who would walk in the Spirit, live by the Spirit in the confidence that you provide. Lord, let us every single day be reminded of what you have done for us so that we are filled with the joyful gratitude. We thank you for giving us life, bringing us out of darkness. Lord, we desperately need to. And we need that, especially in a culture that does not understand forgiveness. This world has no clue about it. We live in a culture that when you mess up, We're canceled. We are cast out, cast off. Jesus, thank you that you show a spirit of incredible grace for us with open arms and open hands to receive us, renew us, give us a fresh start. Lord, even if we have moments when Satan tries to remind us of those things that unqualify us, disqualify us, that, Lord, in that moment, we be reminded of the truth of your word, that through Christ, we've been forgiven, we've been redeemed, and you have qualified us to share in the inheritance of heaven. You've done this for us, and we thank you, God. We praise you, God. We need you, God. Come fill us, God. Help us to remember, because it's only in the remembering of that and through the power of the Holy Spirit could we then show that to others. And so, God... Help us to remember what you have done and never forget it. Thank you for this in Jesus' name, amen. As you stand to your feet this morning, I just want to say if today you need to begin a relationship with Jesus, you're ready to believe in Jesus, you're ready to be transplanted, transferred from a kingdom of darkness into light, today's the day. Why would we put that off? By believing in him, repenting of your sins, confessing those things to God, putting your faith in Jesus. When you're baptized into Christ, he doesn't just bring you out of something. He actually brings you into something. Out of darkness, into life. Into light. Raised to new life. This is what God does. 
And we want to give you a chance to respond right now. I'll be right over here at Decision Point through these double doors. I'd love to meet you there. If you're watching online, go to northsidechristianchurch.net slash decision and begin that conversation right now. We'd love to do it. And then as you leave today, after we sing, we have an opportunity for you to give. Uh, At our boxes, at the back doors on your way out, you can give. You can also give with the information here on the screen. Online, northsidechristianchurch.net slash giving or the number you see there. It's simple to give to the Lord in this way. But here's what it does. Because we believe in a God who transfers us out of darkness, we support ministries like Black Box International, which means when you give, a percentage of what you give goes to that kind of work where the gospel is coming into this world and helping people come out of darkness and experiencing the light of Jesus. And you get to be a part of that. Even as you give to the Lord, we would encourage you to do it today. So let's lift our voices. Let's sing to our God. Let's thank him for his rescue. Let's sing to him now. And I'll meet you right over here. Thanks for joining us this morning, Northside. Before you go, make sure you check in and let us know you were here. Text the word CHECK to 417-233-1200. If you want to respond to today's service, you can do that online through Decision Point. If you want to know more about baptism or becoming a member, you can request more info at northsidechristianchurch.net slash decision. This is also the place to find out about our life groups, find out what sort of service opportunities there are, or if you just need to get in touch with a minister. And if you're online, you probably use social media too. Make sure you're following along with Northside on our Facebook page, Instagram account, YouTube channel, or Twitter. We are glad that you chose to join us this morning. As we head out for the week, let's make sure we take the love of God with us. Take good care of each other, Northside.